Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm Sandra McDevitt. Today in Stories from the Heart, the story of Marie Mangolis, written by her daughter-in-law. Marie, who was living in Latvia, was caught between the fleeing German army and the approaching Russian army in World War II. To stay or to flee, what did she decide? She had two young sons to think about. Stay tuned for a riveting tale of endurance on another Stories from the Heart. Maria's story. May is the time when we honor mothers and other women who have influenced our lives. Let me share with you a story about my mother-in-law, Maria Stuples. She was born on the 1st of October, the month dedicated to the Holy Rosary, in 1902 in a tiny hamlet in eastern Latvia, which is then part of the Russian Empire. The third of six children and the oldest daughter, she was named after her mother. Her father and her mother were part of a small minority of Russian Orthodox. Most Latvians were Lutherans. Practicing their faith was difficult. Then as today, anything Russian was suspect. A fondness for the Blessed Virgin blossomed early, which sustained Maria throughout her life. World War I changed everything. Her mother, her youngest sister, and brother died. Her father and another brother, who were soldiers in the Tsar's army, simply vanished. Only Maria, her brother Janice, and her sister Anna survived. To be orphaned in the Latvia of that time was to become a non-person. Without family, one was nothing. Looking back, Maria believed that she was being strengthened for future difficulties. In 1918, when Latvia became independent, Maria went to live with her Aunt Elena as a farm laborer. By her 20th birthday, unmarried and now alone, her future was not auspicious. She met and married Arnold Magalis, somewhat younger than herself and a bit of a rogue. She exchanged one hard life for another. Maria was treated as a servant by her mother-in-law. Maria's faith sustained her, and she bore her cross patiently. Some years later, she was supporting her husband and her young son as a laundress. Maria was well-educated, having completed the equivalent of an eighth-grade education, and was able to speak Latvian, Russian, and German. Her husband found city life difficult with his limited skills, and a large portion of her earnings went to support his numerous friends and Quote, pleasures, unquote. Unable to worship, prayer became central to her life. In the 1930s, a new misfortune was dawning. Hitler was gaining power in Germany. Latvia had always had a mixed relationship with Germany, but Germans were less a danger than Russians. 1940 brought a fresh ordeal. Soviet persecution. Looking for a better life, Arnold left his pregnant wife and son for Germany. By the end of 1940, he had vanished. Religious persecution became commonplace. Churches were closed, 
turned into storage barns or worse by the Soviets. The degradation culminated in the night of June 13, 1941, when Russian soldiers forcibly deported 100,000 people, mainly as young as five or six, to labor camps in Siberia. Somehow, Maria's little family was spared that horror. The German army returned in late 1941, and it brought little relief. By 1944, Maria was forced to choose between the invading Soviets and a return to the horrors of 1941 or an uncertain fate inside Germany. That October, the Nazis would retreat out of Latvia into Germany, destroying the railroads, effectively severing outside communication with Latvia. Marie made her choice. She would take her sons and flee westward. My mother-in-law described how she looked around her small house and packed her youngest son's pram with children's clothes and her sewing machine. She then dressed herself and her sons in as many clothes as could be fitted under their coats and walked out the front door. As they came to the wooden bridge, they would have to cross to reach the train. Maria realized that she had left behind her husband's mandolin. While her older son went back for it, she and little Arnest took shelter in a pile of huge sewer pipes. The instrument? It had disappeared. Someone was already looting the empty houses. Hurrying to the train station, Maria and her sons were able to board a cattle car on the last civilian train to leave Latvia. She relived the memory of that train journey all her life. People were so jammed into the car that a woman who fainted did not fall to the floor. Arnis, who was only three years old, still remembers the explosions and the red glow burning on the horizon as the retreating Nazi army demolished the rail lines behind them. The train reaches destination. All civilians were removed from the train. The soldiers separated the men from the women and the children, taking the men to a bomb shelter. The women and children were herded into the crypt of deserted medieval churches. Despite his protest, Maria disguised her 15-year-old son with a blanket and passed him off as a woman. She felt that she had received a warning and would not allow them to be separated. That night, the bomb shelter took a direct hit and many were killed. Their journey resumed at daybreak. Maria and her sons boarded a boat, and while planes staked the water around them, they left Latvia forever. Near the Danish border, the fleeing Latvians, Estonians, and others were commandeered as farm laborers on a German military base. The prisoners served two functions, raising vegetables for the soldiers and as human shields. It was here that both her courage and Christian charity were tested once again. Maria worked in the fields in a vacant land between the landing strips, guarded by armed soldiers. Her older son was sent to work as a carpenter's helper, while the younger children were locked into the barracks. As the Allied forces moved closer, life worsened. Depleted food supplies for the internees and an increasing possibility of airstrikes. One old woman was shot for stealing wild berries. Many times Maria shared her rations with the children of those too weak to work. 
faith strengthened her resolve to protect her children. Faith demanded that she help others. Then it happened, an airstrike directed against the base. As Maria heard the planes, the guards began yelling at the laborers, shooting at them to force them to the ground. The planes were attacking the airfield, and the children were locked in the barracks. She sprang to her feet and ran across the landing strip, the guards firing at her, followed closely by an Estonian man. Bullets from behind and above sent up small puffs of dirt. Reaching the building, they herded the children into relative safety of a nearby foxhole. Holding her youngest boy by his hand and carrying another child, she fell into the hole as an explosion shattered the barracks. Dirt and debris rained down on them, but the children were safe. The Estonian was wounded, and Arnas remembered that his mother tore strips from her slip to bind up his wound in the foxhole. Maria confided that each morning she placed the children in the care of Our Lady for their protection. The children survived, while many of their parents did not. Not long after, the Allies liberated the base, and she and her sons were sent to a displaced persons camp for Latvian nationals. It was here in December of 1945 that she was reunited with her husband. On October 1946, her youngest son, Juris, or George, was born. She had trusted in Jesus, and Maria believes that her faith enabled her family's survival. In 1949, they immigrated to Port Arthur in Canada to begin life in a new country. Maria survived two world wars, imprisonment, and deprivation. She spent the last 20 years of her life crippled by wartime injuries and confined to a wheelchair, frequently in great pain. But in no time did she despair or lose faith. Prayer was an important part of her life. When I married her son, Arnis, in 1970, I was drawn to her kindness and love for others. She was happy that her second son was married in the church and elated at the christening of her grandchildren. She often told them stories about the saints and delighted Michael with stories about his patron, St. Michael the Archangel. Maria's desire was to see both children receive their first Holy Communion, but this was not to be. She died in 1982 on the Saturday before Palm Sunday after a lengthy illness. In hospital, the nurses noticed that while in a coma, when the rosary was prayed, she would respond. She was laid to rest with her rosary. At her funeral, two sisters who had been with her told us of Mama's quiet courage and the importance she placed in prayer. They felt that she inspired many in the camp there to continue the struggle to survive. Many people that day said they had felt blessed to have known her. Now, each Mother's Day, I remember two special women. My mother-in-law, a quiet 20th century heroine because of her love and faith, as well as one on which Maria modeled her life, a quiet Jewish girl blessed with sublime faith. Maria's life is lived in the confidence that God does not give us greater burdens than we can bear, but that we are tempered like good steel. Thank you, Mama. We are trying to follow your example.
Hail, Holy Queen. Hail, Hail Holy Queen, Queen Mother, Mother of Mercy, mercy our, our life, our, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we set up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, the Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's true story was written by Shady Mangolis to honor her mother-in-law on Mother's Day. To listen again, go to the Ave Maria Radio Archives. Background music, David Phillips, Angels Among Us CD. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.